see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Indeed, it is a wonderful world. Uh, welcome to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, I am your host, Nima Tavallo Yeruzzari, who is very, very happy, as you can understand, uh, a little bit surprised. Uh, but uh, before we get into all of that, um, let me welcome uh, our dear panelists, uh, starting with the host of the Alex Dono Show, Mr. Alex Dono. Welcome. How are you? Oh, well, great after Sunday. <laughs> I know that uh, it certainly was not the outcome that we expected, but what a welcome surprise it was. It sure was. And someone who directly after uh, the game DM'd me on uh, Facebook saying, your gufata for the past month worked, well done, is a former uh, London media personality, Will Beckman, because I'm not allowed to call him that anymore. So I'm going to stick with the former one. How are you doing, Will? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking you're doing well. <laughs> Pretty well, yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy you're good. And we're finally joined by our good friend who hasn't been uh, with us for a long time uh, due to work, but we're so, so happy that he can make it for this podcast. Uh, he's uh, He live commentates on uh, Il Nero Lazzurro. Um, he's, 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 I mean, if you don't speak Italian, just learn it to follow this guy's Twitter because it is always insightful and interesting. Welcome back, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Hi, Nima. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here, especially today. And uh, just let me say, Milano siamo noi. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I, as I told you, Will, um, I, I, this is not a gufata. I wasn't jinxing. I honestly believe given everything that happened at Inter, given the complete chaos that has been, the Mauro Icardi situation, every, and, and, and then what happened on Thursday against Eintracht Frankfurt, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later, where Inter looked anything other than a side ready to, to, to defeat anyone, let alone, let alone in Europe. I did not expect this performance. Uh, I did not expect Inter to come out there and white you know dominate milan for 60 minutes the way they did um but they did and i i'm, I'm still a bit shell-shocked uh by that i should maybe i shouldn't be because maybe i overestimated gattuso's ability and and maybe underrated spalletti's ability but i gotta say honestly now will did you expect this be honest now be honest no i didn't expect to win uh but i wasn't as, as pessimistic as as certain others were um, because you know if you look at the, the record that we've got in these big games over the last two years um, we haven't lost a single big match under Spalletti if you take out Juventus over the last two years and we've had 13 games against the other members of the top six as you were um, so there, there was reason to believe that the Inter would turn up and put in a good performance um, the the game against Thursday was very different number one because there were four or five players who weren't available on Thursday, who were available in this match. Um, you know, let's not forget that Inter finished that match on Thursday with a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, and Ranocchio as their three changes to try and change the game. So it was a, it was a strange game where they had, you know, they didn't have many resources. But you know, they also didn't have a huge amount of motivation. You know, when they conceded after 10 minutes, it kind of looked as if they wanted to turn it over, but not enough to really give everything to, to go through perhaps because you know they didn't think that in the long term it was a it was a it was a fight worth fighting I don't know um I mean that, I do think the other thing is that you know the, the the narrative before the game was very was very negative it was all sort of great team against crap team but you know we shouldn't have lost sight of the fact that these two teams are not on the same level in terms of technical ability you know we do have a better squad than Milan. We do have better players. We had different expectations at the start of the season. And also in the last few weeks, it's not as if, you know, Milan have been playing champagne football. You know, there was a lot of fans, Milan fans I saw before the derby saying, well, hang on a minute. I don't know, sure, I'm not sure I like the fact that you're calling us favourites. You know, we didn't play well against Sassuolo. We played really poorly against Kiev or um, played a horrible first half against Empoli a couple of weeks ago. 
So, you know, there was there was reason to believe that this would be a competitive match. I didn't think that we'd be 1-0 uh, up after three minutes. And that made a big difference because we know that, you know, scoring on goal at the start of the game can make a huge difference to the sort of the emotional tone of the game. And I think that had a big impact in, on the first half. I don't know if we would have seen that kind of dominant performance had we not gone 1-0 up after three minutes. Um, but it is, it's a merit to have done that. So it's not as if that's a, an excuse or, a, you know, um, uh, caveat. It's it's a good thing that we approached the game and scored so quickly. Um, I mean, I don't. I didn't expect us to win, but I, you know, I I, ha- I had a little bit of hope that this would actually, this would actually um, turn out not terribly. Uh, Fulvio, I'm really keen to hear how you experienced this game and and like what were your thoughts going into this because you haven't been you, know, you haven't been on the pod for quite some time. Um, did you expect like because I mean I remember you and I were tweeting a little tweeting a little bit back and forth. I I was not. This is I can't. The last time I was this worried going into the derby was the Skelotto derby. If you remember that when they had they just beaten uh, they'd beaten Barcelona mid midweek and. Inter had sent Livaya and got Skelotto back for, <laughs> and 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 it was it was Astamachoni. Uh, yeah. I was that tough times. I, I, tough times. <laughs> 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 exactly tough times. Um, I, that's the first, that's the last time I was this this nervous going into a derby, but because because Inter were in complete turmoil. Um, so how what were your thoughts going into the derby, and were you surprised at how well Inter performed? Um, well, to be honest, uh, I was I wasn't sure about winning, but uh, I wasn't sure about losing either. I mean, it's easy to say now, right? But uh, I actually published a couple of uh, of tweets in the um, in the um, in the Derby Week, and uh, I just uh, convey a kind um, a com- I just conveyed a couple of concepts uh, that uh, was practically forgotten into the inter situation especially because of the um, uh, because of the knockout from the from the Europa League and this concept where um, there's not a negative there wasn't a negative trend into the into the league because practically inter won uh, four of uh, uh, their last five matches then uh, deducted to three but just due to the referee we we we, we all witnessed what happened in, in Firenze against Fiorentina um, so there wasn't a negative, a negative trend, and on top of that, uh, um, Inter did not lose uh, a big match, a big Serie A match um, in, in the last two years. I mean, uh, we can deduct the Juventus from this because Juventus is, is a kind of as uh, a kind of, um, of of team that is not uh, that is not involved into any race, right? Uh, and it, it's 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 uh, honestly too strong. But uh, if we think about Napoli, we think about Lazio, we think about Roma and Milan as well. Um, with, with Paletti, Inter never, never, never lose a game against against this team. So that that was uh, something that um, that gave me confidence. On the other side, I was worried just because I knew that um, if uh, if Inter um, would would have lose this game. Um, in, I, I, I mean, in in any case, uh, uh, even with a, with a with a good performance, uh, um, yeah, I think that uh, would have been a nightmare. That's that's what that was the only the only reason why I was worried about. But uh, to be honest, uh, I I did not I did not expect uh, um, Inter to to miss uh, to miss the the mentality that you need to put into into the derby. Um, so I, I I argue with a lot of people for that, and at some point I decide, okay, I I, I enjoy the silence now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but but actually actually I, I I try to I try to to recall um, all the all the nerazzurri uh, from my from my social channel that uh, practically the things were not so were not so bad, right? Mm. So that's uh, this this game could could uh, could could have been could could have been won either lose but also won. Um, and uh, I think that's uh, and uh, I'm closing now. I think that's uh, this um, uh, this uh, distortion of the um, of the of the performances of Inter. I mean, Inter have full performances, but against small teams, and that's something that uh, it's it keeps happening, right? Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, also the last year was was exactly the same. Um, but uh, but despite this, uh, I I just. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I just thought that um, that uh, the the Milan were 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 overperforming a bit, right? Because uh, five five win in a row, uh, and yeah. um, this gave the distortion that the Inter was in a negative trend, just because uh, Mil- Milan was instead in a positive trend. I mean, I don't know if it's clear, but I think that that was my that was my vision. Um, so I, I'm happy about this. I'm happy about about what happened. I cannot I cannot say that it was not expected, but um, I can say that uh, I'm relieved. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I I thought that the first 60 minutes were the best um, uh, best 60 minutes of football that Inter have played under Spalletti. Um, Alex, uh, what is your thoughts? Even Nima, uh, I agree with you. And even the first 45 minutes, Milan probably felt fortunate not to be down three goals heading into halftime. When you consider uh, a second Matias Vicino chance that you know probably should have gone in, and the the header from Milan Skriniar, which uh, it was a free header, probably should have directed a little bit better than he did. Uh, I remember thinking going into halftime that I would wonder if those missed chances would come back to bite Inter, right? And they're thinking that. You know, Milan may have a completely different shape and, you know, different determination in the second half. Did Inter waste a chance to really put the game away early? But very pleasant to see that for about the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, they continued the same sort of intensity and the same sort of organization they had in the first half. And then a couple of more goals did come, thankfully. And as far as individual performances go, I think for a big match and an emotional match like a Milan derby, you see how young players rise or wilt in the occasion. And I can't give enough credit to Lataro Martinez. Uh, you really saw what he was made of in that match. Uh, the selfless assist that he made to Matias Vecino early to direct that header instead of going for goal from that angle to put it back out front of the net, uh, I thought was uh, was a really nice play. You've seen what he can do for months in the buildup, the extra dimensions that he adds even in addition to being in front of the goal and you know to show the sort of uh, of confidence that he had to to take and make that penalty uh I, I think there's a reason why many publications and i would agree with this named him man of the match you know to think of you know a guy who was you know playing argentinian football you know a year ago and is only 22 years old to see him rise to the occasion like he did in a derby was tremendous but you know, you can really look at so many of the players who are on the pitch. Think about D'Ambrosio with that with that block late in the game to really save it from, you know, dropping two points and being a draw near the end. Uh, I, I was thrilled. You know, I, I thought, like Fulvio said, it's not completely surprising to see them, you know, rise to the occasion and, and perform better in the derby than, let's say, they did against Frankfurt and what was a, a pretty abysmal performance. But you know, to actually see the edu- execution and to see them control the match against Milan the way that they did, uh, I, I really could not have been more impressed than I was. Uh, regarding Lautaro, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, this kid is only 21, 22 years old. He's never played in Europe before. His vision, his footballing intelligence, his his ability to link up, his his um, his movement, his 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 read of the game. I mean, if, in my opinion. Honestly, if, if this guy can can improve on his finishing and reach those finishing levels of a, of a certain Mauro Icardi, then this guy, we're talking like top three in the world, Ballon d'Or winning level. The guy is fantastic. He, he is, in my opinion, he's the, he's the first real number 10 Inter have had since Snyder. Uh, and it's so nice to see. Uh, I, I'm totally on the Lautaro bandwagon, totally on the Lautaro train. Um, so, no, I agree. I think he was the man of the match as well. And we're also now joined by uh, our good friend, Mr. Critty Smith, the Interlegends writer on SimplyInter.com and soon on uh, SimplyInter TV on YouTube. Uh, welcome, Critty. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's great. Um, well, you know, before last week, we all predicted a loss. Um, we were not happy. Uh, you weren't happy. So what, what, do you, what, what do you say now? Um... I don't really know what to make of this match. I've had two days to think about it and been on a few podcasts and talked about it. And I've let the, the sort of euphoria and the, the aftermath sink in. And, you know, it's great to take six points out of six from Milan. And it's great to, to paint the town black and blue. But um, this team is just so inconsistent that I could see them losing to Hellas Verona this very same weekend and you know the guy who's probably the most inconsistent on the entire squad who was the undeniable man of the match in this game 
Matias Vecino, he's the most inconsistent player on the entire pitch, and he's the guy who says Inter needs to be more consistent in the postgame. <laughs> so, you know, I have to look at it like this. Uh, I think the I think that Milan's 25 minutes of furious football at the end impressed me just as much as Inter's 65 minutes of football from minutes one through 65. I thought I thought Inter was like the scared girl in the scene in Jaws that was swimming to the, the, <laughs> the, the, the beach that was escaping the uh, megalodon known as AC Milan that uh, basically D'Ambrosio put his um, his 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 man's uh, nether regions on the line to uh, save the uh, the 3-2 score. Um, that was a very, very shaky interside at the end. And uh, Milan were absolutely the predators about to chomp on the prey. Uh, that being said, you, you take the win, obviously. But I, you know, coming from I'm so confused about this team because of the Thursday performance against Frankfurt coming off of the really, you know, decent performance against, against Spall, but it's Spall, right? And then to, to, to so brilliantly play an hour's worth of football that they displayed against Milan, who were the better side, not just in the table, but form-wise. They had not lost a Serie A match since 2018. Uh, uh, Gattuso was proving me wrong as a tactical manager. He has absolutely adapted, and he's got his horses now in the stable to where he can execute his style of football, I do expect him to be the manager at Milan come August. Uh, I cannot say the same for one Spalletti at Inter. Um, th- th- this this Milan side, I think, uh, uh, got their got their their heads out of their asses, so to speak, uh, around the 65th minute, especially after the penalty. And um, I was nervous. Uh, you know, I- I'll take the three points, and I am absolutely happy that we swept Milan in the league for the first time in seven years. Uh, but I'm still not convinced that this team is on stable footing. No, no, I can. That's it's hard to disagree with you there. Um, but but I got to say that I thought that this, you know, in terms of quality uh, of football, uh, just turning into the to the derby, I think this was the best uh, derby della Madonnina that we've seen in in since uh, since the 4-2 derby, Ibrahimovic last game for for Inter, uh, which I was lucky enough to see see there. Um, I, I was really impressed by the quality of football from both teams. Um, but uh, we, we haven't, you know, Fulvio, you've been away for quite some time. Um, I'm really keen to hear how you've experienced this entire Mauro Icardi situation. What is your take on this? Um, do you think he'll be here next season? Or do you, do, would you even, would you now that Inter are doing well, would you bring him back into the squad? Well, what's your thoughts? Well, uh, I think that uh, the Italian speaker who follows me on uh, on Twitter already knows my my position on that, and uh, it's a strong position. Um, so to to put this in a nutshell, now I think that uh, I think that um, probably there are there are some part of the story that are not so clear right now, and uh, we would need this part to to judge completely. But uh, what we know for sure is that uh, Mauro Riccardi is refused. Is refusing to to play with Inter since one month, and this is completely unacceptable, guys. Completely. I mean, uh, um, I, I don't know if it if it was good to to um, uh, to deduct the the captain band band strip from uh, uh, from Icardi, but uh, on the other side, Icardi just uh, demonstrated in this way that uh, he did not deserve it, and uh, that's that's also that's also a fact. About the future, I don't know what is going to happen, but um, I think that uh, we experience now to the um, to the raise of uh, of a problem that uh, was uh, under rug swept so far, and uh, was under rug swept since a lot of years, um, at least since 2016. On the summer, you you probably remember about that with Bandanara that uh, practically threatened Inter to to go to go to Napoli. Um, mm-hmm. And from that time, I think that uh, that the problem was practically exposed, but never solved. So now it's the time to, to solve the problem because I think that nobody can pretend that nothing happened after this. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> no, what, no, what this, is, 
this, 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 you cannot. I mean, I mean, after everything that's happened, I don't think you can pretend. Like, no, this no, no, no. Is one of those. Even, even, I mean, we always say that in Italy is the country that made sweeping under the rug into an art form. But this yeah, is right. This, <laughs> there, there's no rug big enough to hide this turd. I mean, no. There's only, you know, there's only one, there's only one point of view that could, um, that could uh, uh, include uh, um, Icardi to stay here. And um, that's uh, this entire story is actually an argue with Spalletti, which is, which exactly. is probably, exactly. which is probably. Um, so uh, one case could be that uh, Spalletti stepping out from Inter at the end of the season, and uh, then uh, Icardi came came back to the came back to the to the squad without any kind of problems. I'm not convinced that it's like that, but uh, it could be. I, I mean, uh, as I said, we, we don't have clear elements to to 100% judge this. But uh, if um, if I need to bet uh, my penny today, I will I will bet on uh, Spalletti and Icardi uh, to be to be to, to be out of Inter both uh, at the end of the season. And uh, I think that uh, at that point uh, you could uh, you could include also Perisic in this, exactly. since Perisic is the is the third is the third party of this uh, of this uh, of this issue. And uh, I think that uh, if if what uh, if if the reports are true, you need to you need to kick out from the from your team uh, all the all the parts that uh, that uh, contribute to create um, really a, an ugly situation like that. I couldn't agree with you more. That's that's exactly my analysis as well. Um, I think uh, you need to get rid of everyone because otherwise you'll you'll just be, you know, you'll just be you're never resolving it. I mean, if if you sell Perisic and get rid of Spalletti, you're giving Icardi too much power, and that woman does not need more of an ego boost than she already has. Um, so so I think that would be that would be a huge mistake. Um, but but speaking uh, so but but I mean speak if we if we look at this whole thing. Um, I mean, with the leak, uh, and I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on that, because La Repubblica published, for those who don't know, on the, on the Saturday, I think, someone, an, an, an unnamed anonymous Inter player that claimed to be, that's, that Spalletti did this all on his own, uh, this, you know, stripping Ricardo of his captaincy was his decision, the players did not want this, there are three... Three three groups: the Italians, the the Balkans, the Slav the Slavic group, and the Latin Americans, and they don't all get along. Um, Spalletti uh, and and so on and so forth. Personally, I mean, this is just uh, this is just my analysis of that. That this is another reason why I was scared going into the derby is because I felt that number one, this leak would never ever surface if Inter, I mean, if Inter didn't want it to surface. Um, Secondly, what that person said, I mean, clearly somebody who speaks like that belongs to the Latin American, uh, uh, the, the South American clan, uh, because Mauro Icardi, one of the things that they claimed was that Mauro Icardi was, was standing up for the team against Spalletti because he was too critical of them. Um, that, you know, going into the derby, I was, you know, and based on what we saw against Eintracht Frankfurt, where I, where I felt I saw a coach that looked panicked, uh, that didn't know what he was doing. He took the responsibility for that poor performance, but against Milan, we saw a team that not only followed his tactical uh, his his tactical plan, but they followed it 110%, and they actually looked like a united unit, like a cohesive unit. I I'm, I feel in some ways I'm even more confused than I was before the derby because I mean I, I my my personal opinion is this that you don't sacrifice. Based on what we saw against Milan, Spalletti has absolutely not lost the dressing room. They are very much still behind him. Um, so where where do Inter go from here on out? Do they integrate the Icardi back into the team? And if they do that, how do they do it? Um, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on that, Fulvio. Uh, well, um, we need to understand this. Um, uh, okay, my vision on the on the Europa League. Um, it might be it might be it might be hard to 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 hear something like that, and probably mm, also not understandable. But I think that uh, Inter practically did uh, nothing to to avoid uh, to avoid the, um, the elimination from the from the Europa League. So practically, they just uh, they just uh, how can I say walked the uh, walked the Eintracht uh, into the quarterfinal without any kind of resistance. And I think that was uh, something that I mean not planned. 
but uh, also not refused. Because let's okay. face it, guys, the, 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 the cup was not sustainable for Inter. At the light of the deduction from the, from the UEFA list, at the light of the, of the problem with the Cardi, and uh, at the light of the, of the, injured, of the injured players like Nainggolan, uh, so pr- for me it was not sustainable, and I I I, I started to tell that like like in January, right? Um, be- also also before even before the this uh, Mauricardi situation to explode. So this is one part of the story. So I think that uh, the match against Entracht wasn't so realistic, but but it's just my vision. Uh, but on the other side, we need to uh, we need also to understand that uh, of course it's uh, it's fantastic to win the derby. Of course, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm now. But uh, we need to remember that uh, this group of players is not entitled to go um, to go over um, to go over a, a third or a fourth place. Right? They cannot aim for something for, th- mm. for something more. And uh, I think this is clear, and I think that uh, this is a responsibility of uh, of the um, of the of the manager that uh, actually built this group. Um, so uh, wh- whatever the situation is, uh, we have the clan, we have not the clan, we have the the dressing room that is broken, what the, and uh, and uh, the the coach that is not uh, uh, that is not completely on the um, on the top on the on the clock on this. I think that we just need to consider this. We just need to consider that if Inter want, uh, wants to, to increase their, their ambition, they need to, to change. I mean, uh, the, the real need uh, will, will be to change a lot of players. I mean, the majority of the players. But this is not possible for, uh, for obvious reasons. So I think that uh, just need to change the, um, the players that uh, walk Inter into this situation. And I talk about Icardi, I talk about Perisic, I talk about Miranda. All the players that uh, took part of this group that uh, practically failed every single year, the objective, uh, just, uh, just, they, they just, um, uh, how can I say, um, they just reached the, the, the seasonal objective last year in the last 10 minutes. But uh, this is not enough. I think that you, should, I think that Inter needs to rethink completely about, uh, about the squad if Inter wants to, to aim for something more. So that's practically the the big picture that I see right now. I think the one thing that I really didn't want to hear in the 40 hours that followed the derby, um, and the one thing that could really have killed the enthusiasm, was an interview with Auxilio. Because you can imagine what he would have said after this. Yeah, see, I told you this. Questa rosa difficilmente migliorabile. We have a yeah, right, exactly. Team. We can't improve it. We've done a good, done a good mercato. You know, just the, and I'm worried that that would be used as a, as an alibi. You know, because you can think that there's a lot of big games left this season. Lazio, Roma, Juventus. You imagine if we get a couple of wins, finish third. You, it, it could almost be an excuse to just you know do a few things here and there, but keep the the spine as it is. And I hope that you know Marotta is wise enough to kind of ward against that and um and push forward with this kind of um uh change in in mentality so it's it's very difficult um, well I, just... I, I wanted to ask you do you do you, i mean what do you make of that leak from the dressing room will uh i gotta be honest i hadn't heard it so that you missed you missed oh you missed it no that was the I biggest did. news yeah and no, that was it was a big news yeah, well, that was I the wasn't... Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't in the Italian football world on Saturday, so uh, that that may be why. No, I um, yeah. But yeah, what's more that, that, important for me, what's more what's more um, astounding is the fact that no one at Inter denied it. It wasn't actually, even. That does remind me. You said um, uh, one thing you said that I was interested about was you said this would only have come out had Inter not I don't had Inter wanted it to come out. Yeah. That that supposes that Inter are a very organised and disciplined club in that sense, and I think I in think, the past we've seen that's not always the case. Well, I think I think that this is this is where I think there's a difference between Marotta and in the past. I think that if Inter really did not want this to come out, I don't think I'm not saying that they they let it come out. I'm saying that maybe they looked the other way. Uh, because I, the, the, the narrative that came out was actually in favor of Inter because it was the narrative was that Inter, um, well, they, they, they just did what the coach wanted, uh, which is the right thing to do. And they you know they, they, they feel that in the middle of the season that this is, there, there's nothing they can do to, to fix this problem. Uh, at the end of it, Spalletti, you know, blah, 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 and so on. So I, I, I'm, 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 the way I look at it is that that narrative kind of spoke really well as well. For in, from a Marotta point of view, and I and I think that Marotta, 
he's uh, he's very calm and intelligent outwards, but he's quite the little fox. Uh, he, you know, you shouldn't underestimate <laughs> this guy. No, absolutely not. Uh, he, he, no, he's a very, very clever guy. He knows what he's doing. He's playing. He's not playing two-dimensional chess. He's playing five-dimensional chess. And I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to see that Inter have that guy. I'm really am. I think that's that will only help Inter in the future. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, one of the best signings that we've made in the last in the last twelve months. Um, he's he was quite um, he's quite positive in when he ever whenever he speaks in public about Icardi. You know, he gave an interview Very. before the derby, and he, you know he was saying, you know, I'm still optimistic. You know, there's you know, and someone, it was put to him that, you know, uh, there was a question that started with the words, you know, at the moment, Icardi is still a, an interplayer. And he, he's interjected, no, 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 not at the moment. He just is an interplayer. He's an exactly. interplayer to all intents and purposes. So he's he's being very careful not to, to break these bridges. I think because, you know, he's aware that he could still come back in before the end of the season and Inter might need him. You know, just remember that, you know, Lautaro is still a booking away from suspension. So he's going to miss a game eventually at some point in the next, you know, the next few weeks. And if Icardi's back on board, then that would be, that would be helpful. I mean, just to, to say my thing quickly on this, you know, it's, it, it's impossible, as we said, to make a full judgment because there's so many different elements and perspectives and rumours. You know, every time you, you turn on Twitter, there's a different angle coming from a different paper. You know, it's, we don't know what's going on inside. So we can only judge to a certain extent. What we can say is that it clearly didn't affect the performance on, on Sunday. It was fantastic. Um, and, you know, if Icardi was kind of hoping for Inter to fall apart and then come back in as the saviour, then, you know, Sunday's derby didn't really help that that um, crusade. We don't know that that's what, he, that's what he and Wanda are thinking. That's just a possibility. But I did think it was curious that after a month of silence in a pro-Inter sort of sense, immediately after they won the derby, he posted an Instagram photo saying, you know, <laughs> as if to say, you know, well, OK, that plan doesn't work. Let's just get on with it. I'm going to have to come back in. Because yeah. it was very curious <laughs> yeah. that immediately very, after very. the biggest game of the last few months, yeah. he's yeah. He well, well I'm, so, I'm so I'm so relieved that uh, also also abroad the the, the situation is uh, is seen so suspiciously, right? Because uh, I, mean, I, yeah. I I, I, I suppose mean, there I was can't, a, I can't think yeah. of any other explanation than than he was hoping. Yeah, to... but I, I completely agree with you. It's uh, it, it could it, it might easily happen. Mm, agree, um, Alex. Uh, what, I mean, where do you think Inter move on from here? I mean, critics. I think we all agree with critics and assessment that this is a the problem with Inter is is uh, the inconsistency, which both Will and Fulvio alluded to that this group of players and and this coach cannot take this project any further. But I mean, the derby always gives you a boost. Inter immediately play Lazio. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Well, um, you know, if if Spalletti can keep this team in top four, get them back in the Champions League, my hope would be he and Inter can part on friendly terms, right? That you're not going to have a messy divorce this summer. I don't see any way he's back. I, I think that would be counterproductive at this point to a club that is trying to grow and take the next step. I believe Spalletti was brought in to achieve consistent Champions League qualification. If he can do that for a second straight year, I think you can move on uh, under amicable terms. Um, I don't see any chance Icardi is back uh, next season. I think he's sold in the summer. You know, I, I can remember being on this pod, Nima, with you, Will, and Critty three weeks ago, and you asked all of us if if there was any road back for Icardi, if there's if there was any way for him to you know come back, reintegrate with the squad, and put the Inter shirt on again. And at that time, this is three weeks ago, I said. I think there is still a road back, but the ball is in Icardi's court. He's the one who has to explain, if not apologize, to the locker room, you know, and, and really make the next move to to be welcomed back in. You know, three weeks have gone by, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that ship has now sailed. I don't think at this point there's any path back for Icardi. And to me, it's very simple. I, I think that after all the time he's missed, and after having missed such an important game in the derby, that thankfully they were able to win without Icardi, I think at this point, if you allow this man back into the squad and give him any playing time from here until the end of the season, I think you are enabling him. And I think you're sending a pretty terrible message to everyone who puts on this shirt that you will tolerate that sort of behavior uh, and that eventually you can forgive and forget. And I don't believe that message should be sent at this point. I think the ship on Icardi's uh has absolutely sailed. I don't think there's any way back for him. And I also don't think there's any road back for Perisic after the summer. 
you know, I know he's now uh, Maxi Lopez's Instagram buddy. I, I think that, <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I, I think he needs to be he needs to be removed from this equation as well. So I, I think the path forward for Inter is um, at, at this point such a huge victory. Uh, I I am firmly believing that they they finish the season top four, they get back into the Champions League, and then in the summer you say goodbye to Spalletti, you say goodbye to Perisic, and you say goodbye to Icardi, and you build from there. We created that Icardashian hashtag on Twitter as a joke. And I honestly think that the only thing missing for this to actually turn into the Icardashians is if Ivan Perisic leaves his wife and kids and marries Maxi Lopez, uh, which would be a brilliant <laughs> turn of events. I, I, did, I did use that phrase on the radio a couple of weeks ago. I did use, you know, keeping up with the Icardashians yeah. to spread the, spread yeah. the brand. Um, can, uh, can I, Jesus. Yeah, go for I, it, go for it. Go well, I just, I'm sensing we're about to move on from the derby. Can I say a couple of things about the derby? Yeah, sure. I want to hear from you and then from then I'm then from Critty and then I thought we can move on. Go for yeah. it. Okay. Well, first of all, there's um there's a there's a program that Rai air every Thursday evening, which is dedicated to um uh, people who sort of mysteriously go missing. It's called Kila Visto. Uh, this Thursday's episode is going to be dedicated to Christoph Pum Pum Pum. Piontek because <laughs> he disappeared from sight on Sunday evening because I mean there's one photo that sums up the derby perfectly you've probably seen it it's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a picture of the Fry and Skriniar sort of standing and Piontek kind of kneeling in front of them as if sort of begging for mercy because it was that kind of night for him I mean you know he didn't quite work out the same way that uh it works out for Ricardi when he's lonely. You know, he, he normally, he, in the, I remember the, the 3 2 derby a couple of years ago, you know, he didn't get involved much, but he scored a hat trick. And yeah. I don't think Piontek got a single ball. So, and I, I'm happy for Defray because obviously he made a real ricket on Thursday against Eintracht. And he's been one of the best players that we've had this season, Agreed. one of the most consistent forms. He's Agreed. one of the players that, in terms of mentality, you can depend upon going forward. So I was very pleased that he got the goal as well because, you know, he, he, he doesn't deserve to to have that as his sort of most noteworthy moment of the season. Um, but together, they, they, were, they were sensational. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, Vecino, we said, Lautaro, fantastic. Um, you know, when, me, when one, well, one door For me, Milan Skriniar, for me, Milan Skriniar, make this man the captain, extend his contract, give him that armband. He <laughs> is Inter's captain, full stop. Yeah, just, yeah you know. he's, he's, been, uh, he's been fantastic. And he's just, every time you think he can't get better, and then, you know, he does it no, again. He, and, he does and, you know, you see, the, you see the fans chanting Inter Skriniar on, on Sunday, <laughs> which is great. And, and, and also, also, I would like to point about, uh, about Skriniar, which is one of my favorites, who's one of my favorites, I would like to point out that um, he actually was one yellow card from the um, from uh, from being disqualified. Uh, so he, he played the derby like that, and the next uh, the next uh, fixture is against Lazio. So yeah, yeah. Same yeah with that's yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know, you know, I, I expect a yellow card from Skriniar more than Lautaro. But uh, he plays so well and he plays so clean, uh, and uh, he avoid also the yellow card. So will be will be there against against Lazio, and uh, that's I think that's. Uh, that 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 had value to the performance. We've got to say about D'Ambrosio as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that, <laughs> he's been he, you know, that is redefining, you know, playing with cojones. You know, literally <laughs> blocking <laughs> with your cojones a goal that, you know, I saw I saw Fulvio going mad about Handanovic on Sunday evening because if it hadn't been oh for D'Ambrosio going in, what oh a clearance! My, <laughs> my yeah. God, but you can see you can see it, guys. You can see that Andanovic is really <laughs> shit, shit out his pants every time this match is. Uh, <laughs> His matches is go, go, going this way. Also against Juventus was the same thing. He always take a step back, never a step a step ahead. Also a step back. He was inside the inside the goal. I mean, the is not normal. But uh, I mean, the, I mean the, oh, yeah. the Italian newspaper keep uh, keep um, keep being so so merciful with him and uh, gave a lot of uh, great reviews and uh, great votes. And uh, I cannot understand really. For me, it was pretty clear that the last 10 minutes, uh, this, this man was completely shit out of pants. <laughs> uh, I'll leave. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll give the last. We'll, we'll, I'll ask you, Kriti, do you think Handanovic was, was crapping his pants? And also leave you the final word of the derby before we move on. Um, no, I don't think Handanovic was doing that. Um, but He's as not Gary far Lineker. As, as far as um, <laughs> Icardi goes... Um, Sick and tired of Icardi. Uh, yeah. Can't wait for him to be gone. I will, I will cherish the day when we sell him 
Um, I, I, I don't respect him as a uh, human being anymore because he's shown that he's 14 years old. I think he's a great footballer with all the talent, and I wish him all the best at Real Madrid. But um, Hopefully. I, I just <laughs> exactly, <don't>, hopefully. <laughs> I, just, I just don't have any, any, any patience for him any longer. I, I'm, I'm sick of his name. I'm sick of his, his appearance. Um, I'm glad he wasn't there Sunday. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that Inter will be better off without him. Let me, let me say this. Inter is in a very positive position as it pertains to Icardi because let's just, let's just take um, Bayern Munich as an example. If they were to get rid of Robert Lewandowski right now, they don't have a replacement for him as we speak. They would have to go buy someone in the summer, integrate that person into the squad, hope that they develop chemistry within the preseason and can come out shooting in August and September to help Bayern secure first place in Champions League and all that stuff And as the season starts. Lataro Martinez is already performing at a high level at his age in replacement of Mauro Icardi. Inter are ahead of the curb as far as replacing him. So we have that uh, diamond in the rough, if you will, and that heads up for next season in terms of his direct replacement at the uh, center forward position. Now you can sell him with ease, take the money, reinvest it in other needs on the team. And, of course, I include Perisic as a part of that sale as well. That should be departing in the summer. Inter are in a good position in terms of already uh, for prep preparing for next season. Uh, they don't have to worry about replacing Icardi. They already have his replacement. I thought it was um, extremely commendable of the young man to step up to the, uh, the penalty shot, look right in Donnarumma's eyes, and put it in the back of the net without hesitation. Um, just clean, uh, made Donnarumma just ever so slightly twitch to the left, just guessing wrong for a moment, which was enough for him to put it past him on his right. Um, my hat's off to the kid because if you miss that shot and Milan inter, uh, equalizes, uh, that's going to that's sit on him. As a, as a result of making that, though, his goal ultimately ends up being the winning goal in the derby. And he, he can cherish that now. That, that's, I mean, to score in that match in, in Inter's first sweep of Milan in the league in seven years, I mean, you, he has to be booming with confidence right now. I could not and am not and will not be any happier than I am at this moment for this guy. I, I think Lotaro, uh, as you said, Nima, uh, a few few moments ago, you're on the bandwagon. I'm on the bandwagon as well. I'm fully on his train, and I, I'll, I'll ride it until it gives me a reason not to. Um, in terms of Spalletti, he's gone 100% in the summer. I think it will be amicable. I don't think that there's going to be a nasty divorce. I think that he and Inter will shake hands and part ways and thank him for two Champions League qualifications. Uh, I think that's gonna. Agreed. I think that Inter will hold on to the fourth spot. I do think Milan will pass them again in a couple of weeks to move back into third. Um, so this is a short-lived uh, third place right now. But but Milan's uh, Inter's ahead of Roma by six points, and I, I and and Lazio's Lazio. So you know they're gonna they're gonna muff it up. So let, let's let's be honest with ourselves about that. I don't think they that the Roma teams are gonna are, are gonna have any uh, uh, thing to say with Inter Champions League qualifications. I think they're they they've they've made themselves a nice cushion. Uh, obviously, there are some tough fixtures coming up head to head against Lazio, head to head against Roma, head to head against Juve. Uh, what kind of mood is Juve going to be in at that point? Uh, they're obviously all in about the Champions League, so I don't know that <laughs> you know is Inter going to actually get Juve's best effort. It's also well, at home at the San Siro, so. You know, I, I do think this is a top four side and, and Inter will have back to back Champions League qualifications. So in that terms, it's a successful season. I think that I think that, you know, Inter has played up to the competition this year. They played great against Spurs early in the season. They had some very valiant efforts against uh, Barcelona, uh, obviously beat Milan twice. Uh, they, they played a good match against Juve at the uh, Allianz. Uh, uh, of course, the second match hasn't happened yet. Uh, so, so, you know, overall, it hasn't been a bad season. It's been more a season really regarding this Icardi drama. That's what, that's my takeaway from the 20, 2018, 2019 season is it was the season of Mauro Icardi and not in a good way. Mm, agreed. We, we, sorry, Neil, I've got to say one thing very quickly before we move on. That victory on Sunday is dedicated to Jean Mario. Ah, true. So, yeah, his no. father passed away. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. That was one thing right. that Danovich got right. <laughs> Um, may, may I just may I just uh, may I just make no, uh, no, make no. an observation here, very very quick about because 
um, about, about this um, uh, this uh, this fair point about Lautaro that uh, could be could be uh, could be a, a replacement that's it's uh, it's ready just by now. I think that uh, in some way this uh, was uh, planned or at least it was expected because uh, if you wanted uh, just to rest Icardi in some ways you can you you could just uh, uh, purchase on the on the market uh, an expert striker right so like I don't know a, uh, a, a striker in this thirty expert about uh, about Serie A and uh, just there to to play these ten matches in which Icardi needed to rest but uh, giving the full give full room to 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 Icardi to be always in the lineup. But so when you are going to to spend uh, 25 mi- millions for um, for a 21 years old, promising, and now we see why. I think that uh, in some way you expected that at some point uh, you you were going to to get rid of Icardi in in one way or another. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Right. Um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we walk down uh, memory lane and look back at glorious at Inter's glorious history and highlight a coach or a player worthy of being branded uh, Inter legends. Uh, Inter legends with Mr. Chris Smith. Non è un personaggio che che può essere sostituito perché era un personaggio assolutamente unico. Il fatto che abbia sempre pensato e avuto nel cuore due colori, il nero e l'azzurro. All right, gentlemen, so today we're talking about a, uh, a very prestigious manager in terms of his overall body of work. Um, obviously, before he was famous at Inter, he was famous at Juventus. Uh, he was also famous later on at Bayern Munich. Uh, but what he did at Inter was sort of build his own grande Inter in the late 80s. He constructed a team that was in mediocrity, much like Helenio Herrera did in the 1960s. And he had this vision, and he built it behind three German powerhouse players, three World Cup winners, if you will. And what he what he was able to do was able he was able to return Inter to to a Scudetto after nearly a decade of not winning one in 1989. He did it behind Lothar Matthäus and Andreas Bremen, later adding the final piece of his strike force to, together with Jurgen Klinsmann's acquisition from the Bundesliga as well. And he built one of the most legendary trios in the history of Serie A behind, uh, basically, like I said, uh, his vision of, of, of what he, he had in mind for this grand Inter plan. And not to, not to, to rip off the name of Grandi Inter, but it was sort of a, a renaissance, if you will, of Inter. This is, you know, before the Mourinho era and the Mancini era, which would come, you know, 15 years later. And it was certainly long after Herrera. This is a kind of a, a, a lull in Inter's history. Uh, where they sort of slipped into mediocrity. They would, you know, win, win a, uh, they won a Scudetto, I believe, in 80 or 81-ish, and then they didn't win again until 89 when uh, Trapattoni came in. So today's interlegend is Giovanni Trapattoni, and he is certainly uh, an interlegend. Um, he also led them to a UEFA Cup victory in, in 1991. He, he oversaw the uh, uh, Ballon d'Or winner, uh, Lothar Matthäus. Uh, he's uh, one of, actually, Believe it or not, in Germany's history, they've had very few uh, Ballon d'Or winners, Lothar Matthäus being one of them, Matthias Sommer being the, the last one in 1996. You have to go all the way back to 1996. So uh, very, very, um, very prestigious award that, that, that a country with that much history has only won just a handful of times. But it was Trapattoni's vision, uh, ultimately, that got um, Inter back into the, 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 the I, w- I would say, uh, UEFA Cup at that time, you have to judge it a little bit differently simply because the Champions League had different structure. There were fewer teams. So more teams and more prestigious teams played in the UEFA Cup. And I think if you were to win it at that time, uh, it, it was a it was a far probably bigger prize than it is today. So you can't sniff at that. You can't just kind of turn that down, the, the UEFA Cup victory. So and then Inter were going in 1994 to win another UEFA Cup, but that's a different story. Uh, but with a lot of some of the same players that were on that team. So Trapattoni has a legacy at Inter. Uh, unfortunately, it was only for a few for about a half of decade. I would, you know, obviously would have liked to have seen him uh, continue his vision. But they decided to split ways him and the club after uh, the 91-92 season, and then later on, of course, the uh, German Trident uh, would break up and go over their own separate ways as well. So, uh, Nima, I'll start with you. I want your your um, 
not just about Trapattoni, but that era of, 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 of uh, you know, inter-football as far in terms of the, you know, the late 80s and the early 90s, uh, because there was uh, a lot of success there. That was a very strong Serie A. They were dealing with a Napoli that had Diego Maradona. They obviously, AC Milan was a, a, a fantastic side at that time. Um, so Inter winning a Scudetto, only one Scudetto during that time, should still be seen as a huge triumph and the UEFA Cup as well. Yeah, I mean, I became an Interista due to that, uh, uh, d- during that era, and so for me it's very special. But for me, Trapattoni is, uh, I think he said it best himself, that all the, I mean, the guy won everything that you could win as a coach uh, in, in club level with Juventus, and he continued doing so, with, in, you know, continued winning titles in, in, in Bayern Munich, he, uh, he built a fantastic Inter um, at uh, you know the 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 inter de record the in the record winning inter side, uh, I mean for me he's he's probably the greatest uh, Italian coach uh, of the modern time, uh, barring you know he's right up he you know right up there with Lippi and the um, you know uh, with, with the greatest ever because this guy won everything and the thing was that when he coached this, uh, the the Italian national team. He was very, very unlucky. Um, I would say the, you know, the the, the infamous due due in the European Championships uh, that Sweden and Denmark back basically played Italy out of the European Championships, and then now you have that, um, then you have that World Cup, that scandalous World Cup uh, where the referee, uh, the Ecuadorian re- re- referee Byron Moreno, who who later did prison time uh, due to some. Due to some weird activity, poor nefarious activity on his part. This is the guide. Um, this is the guide uh, that you know. He he was very unlucky, and and that that Italy side won the World Cup two years later. So so I I you know for me he is he is the greatest. Uh, and and when you build that the Inter team he built, the Inter de record, the way they smashed everyone. Uh, is is for me, you know, he 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 laid the foundation. He got Inter from from being underachievers to being, you know, destroying everyone. So so for me, I hold him really, 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 really in high regard. So before I go to Fulvio on this, I also wanted to say, you know, we 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 last talked about Walter Zenga, and it wasn't until Trapattoni came that Zenga actually got the squad around him to to really see him reach the heights that he so deserved to. As as obviously, I I think. One certainly Inter probably Inter's greatest keeper of all time, but one of the Italians' uh, greatest keepers of all time. Zenga was was an overachiever on an underachieving squad, and finally with uh, Trapattoni, he was able to finally lift that scudetto. So I mean, so many things Trapattoni brought to to reality at Inter that that, that should have been there all along, and, and he made happen. So Fulvio, how how do you see uh, Trapattoni and in, 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 on the Inter touchline? Well. Um... Once again, I was uh, uh, I was very little when uh, when Trapattoni was at Inter. But um, yes, with that Inter, I practically moved the first step into into this fate. I was for the first time in in San Siro, um, so I I have sweet memories about that Inter, uh, even if they are not uh, are not so fond memories because you know I was like six or seven years old, so it's not easy to. To do that, but uh, I think that um, this this guy Trapattoni have uh, have a greatness uh, that uh, is incredible. Because uh, if you think that uh, it was uh, uh, um, it was a, a great player for AC Milan, then became a great a great coach for Juventus, and then uh, uh, become a great coach for Inter, and uh, everybody respect that, right? In, I, I I mean, the, despite being so much rivalry, everybody everybody respect Trapattoni, right? It's like a national treasure, a national a national uh, uh, how can you how you say uh, a wonder of uh, of Italy, right? Of the of the Italian football, and uh, I agree, was so unlucky during the um, during the era with the with the national teams, and on top of what Nima said, I can also add that he was uh, robbed also also with Ireland. If you remember for the, yeah, the qualification yeah. of 2010, it was robbed by that uh, that handball um, handfall by Thierry Henry. That uh, practically... Swe- Swedish referees again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So it, it was very unlucky. It was uh, was very very undeserved. But uh, and, and on top of that, uh, it's uh, I think that uh, it is great. It's great for this reason. And in Italy, it's considered a legend not only for 
for um, uh, for his uh, for his trophy into 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 the field and the bench, but um, also because he was uh, an incredible guy. I mean, is uh, um, known for uh, some. Uh, he, he used to. He, he come from Milan, and uh, uh, he used to when when he was in Ireland, he used to translate literally some uh, uh, some idiomatic phrases, not from Italian, but from Milan dialect. Right, directed to English, so that was incredibly hilarious. Um, and uh, he also made some um, some uh, very funny gestures, like uh, I think that was into the, the 2002 World Cup uh, when he practically um, take with us the the holy water, take with with him the only the, the holy water uh, into into the bench and uh, just uh, put that on the grass, like uh, it was a like that like was a, a, a lucky gesture. So uh, yeah, it's it's incredible, and uh, actually, he he, uh, he turned um, it, it was his birthday, like uh, like on uh, on on Sunday, and uh, I was um, I was watching uh, Sky Sky Italia, and it was there Bergomi and uh, Pirlo, I remember, um, and Di Canio as well. So all people that uh, was uh, trained by Trapattoni and everybody has is uh his best memories and it was uh, always so hilarious but everybody say wonderful person wonderful coach uh, this that's uh, everything he had so i think that's uh the italian football uh, really missed uh, this, uh, this this guy uh, and uh, i think that it was um it was um uh, it was an incredible um uh, how can i say it was an incredible uh reference for everyone like uh, um everybody that's uh, that make a step ahead uh, of football, like me, when I was six or seven years old, was was really influenced by by Trapattoni. So I'm grateful to him, and uh, I really respect him. Uh, not not only for the for what he made for Inter. Mm, agreed, agreed. Alex, the uh, the 1988-89 team. Uh, so for our younger listeners, um, there used to be a time in Serie A when they only played 34 matches and only uh, got two points for a win. Um, the 88-89 team scored the most points in Serie A history in a 34-match season. It's it's a really historic team, and, and often I feel like not talked about enough. But but uh, that was Trapattoni's doing. So, uh, you know, there were all sorts of things that he did that were that were just uh, unbelievable at Inter uh, in a very short amount of time. What are your What are some of your thoughts on Trapattoni? Well, he also had a, a three foreigner rule back back in those days. So excuse me, more restrictions. Uh, and you talk about that, that record for points in a season at that time. It, that, that's something, obviously it's not quite up there with the treble, but it's something that I really hold dear to my heart, what Trapattoni did with that inter. And while I don't have a whole lot to add to what Nima and what Fulvio said, I will say another thing about Trapattoni that he's one of my favorite examples because, you know, in the climate inter is in right now where, You've already hired Marotta, and you'll hear certain Interisti say, I, I don't want this Juventino here. It never works when you bring a Juventino to enter. It's a terrible idea. It's going to fail. You know, there's talk of Antonio Conte maybe being the next manager, and the same grumblings get brought up. Well, Trapattoni is the powerful example that it has worked before when you bring in a guy with Juventus history into Inter that you can't say it's been failures from top to bottom. It has worked before in the form of Trapattoni. So he, he is that one example you can hold up and say, you can't necessarily say it never works to bring in a guy with Juve history to enter. True. True. But Trapattoni is, Trapattoni is, out, Will. yeah. Will gets to close us out. Well, I think, um, you know, it's, it, it's almost reductive to say that he's an Inter legend because he's a, he's an Italian football legend, isn't he? And he's probably a, a managerial legend, you know. Only today, France Football released a, a, a list of their the 50 greatest managers of all time, and he's ranked 12th on that list, um, ahead of Mourinho, ahead of Capello, ahead of Lippi, um, you know, ahead of some big players. So, you know, it's not just in Italy that he's, he's well respected, and that's um, and that's comforting. He joined um, he joined Twitter in January, so he's yeah. he's, a, he's a modern 80 80 year old, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I, as I see, yeah, I mean, I was too young to, to see him managing into in the 80s. Um, my, my favorite memories, and this is going to show my age, is, was his rather bizarre um, commentaries <laughs> for Rai when he commentated Italy a few years ago. I mean, I don't think it was a great decision because he looked a bit odd at times. I think there was a game where he literally just started, he sort of spoke under his breath 
most of the time when he was talking about it was all very strange and I don't think it was it was a great idea but he, he was likable even when he was providing questionable commentary so I, I don't have um I don't have much to ask he just seems like a lovely man and apart from when he did that rant in a bi minute press conference about 20 years ago but uh you know I right. wish he'd never gone to Bayern that's the only <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Right. Thank you for that, Critty. Thank you for that, Critty. That was awesome. Uh, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something in the world of football heavily, starting with the uh, negativity. Uh, this week's uh, Moji, which will be presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Okay, so, uh, you know, there's a strong viral disease in Syria. Yes, that's a strong viral disease, and it's called mid-table teams. So what I mean with that, every time spring is about to start, uh, we always bump into this issue. Uh, and this issue at some point might affect the, the fair competition of the Syria. So uh, it's not, we're not talking about uh, the same team. It's never the same team, because every year we face this issue with, with different teams. And uh, in this season, uh, it's uh, Parma and Sassuolo turn. So what I mean, here's some numbers. In mid-December, Sassuolo was classified sixth with 24 points. In the following three months, they made just seven points. And surprise, surprise, one of these was gained versus Inter. What about Parma with its reputation of tournament's revelation? You, you should you, you surely remember that. Well, eight points in the last 10 matches. Four goals conceded to Napoli. Other four goals conceded to Lazio. I suppose life is sweeter on holiday, ain't it? Uh, with the same performances in the first half of the, of the season, both Parma and Sassuolo will be completely sucked into relegation zone. And you know what, the, what is the worst part? The worst part is that according to uh, the average standings of the last year, this team just cannot be relegated as they almost already reached the minimum um, amount of points to, to avoid it. Because normally in Serie A, you avoid relegation with 36 or 37 points. So practically, that means four or five points to, to avoid the relegation. Uh, on the other side, we have Chievo Verona. And everybody knows it's a long time they will be relegated. But uh, they are actually playing at their best. They stopped Napoli. They stopped Inter. They stopped Atalanta. They, they made a clear impact on the Champions League race. Right, so that's fair competition, and I mean, I understand Kevo performances. I understand that Kevo have nothing left to lose, but the issue here is another: is that these mid-table teams have nothing left to win. That's the issue, and that's an issue we we witness every single year since uh, Serie A count uh, three relegation. So since a long time, I think a solution must must be found uh, on that, or uh, uh, otherwise the fair competition in Serie A will always, always, always be jeopardized. So. Waiting for the great managers of Serie A putting finally this topic into their full agendas. I declare Serie A mid-table teams our emoji of the week. Mm. Nice one. Um, I, I, for me, it's also this um, the controversy. I will have an addendum. Uh, uh, for me, it's, it's it's also this this notion what the Curva Nord or sections of the Curva Nord uh, with the racist chanting against Frank Kessier yesterday, which resulted in uh, a ban, another ban. Uh, and and everything surrounding that to me is just oh I'm sick of them every it's it's just all the time you you never hear the end of it so I I got a hand hand a little moji to them too because they're just embarrassing Inter um, so yeah no uh, let's uh, move on to something a little bit uh, much more funny at least uh, this week's uh, frog which we presented by Mr Will Beckman. Yeah, very easy this week. It's classic frog behaviour from uh, Swansea City's Bersant Salina. Uh, he's the frog of the week. Uh, he signed for Manchester City in the summer for about £4 million. Uh, had a good season. He scored eight goals, six assists. Um, but he, he really didn't cover himself in glory last week. The Swansea were playing West Brom in the Championship. They were 1-0 down. They got a penalty and he took one of the strangest penalties I've ever seen in my life. He slipped and when he slipped, it didn't, it, it didn't even you know, fly over the bar like uh, you know, certain penalties that you can see. It sort of trickled hopelessly a couple of yards to the right 
Uh, and West Brom's players duly ran into the box and, and cleared it away, and he got laughed at by the entire stadium. And I have to say this, <laughs> I have to say this with absolute honesty, I have never seen anything like that on a football pitch before. It was extraordinary. And if you haven't seen it, I'm surprised because it's been all over Twitter over the last week. So, you know, um, find it because he's a, he's a, he's a very um, unfortunate man. Who, although he did actually redeem himself this weekend because Swansea played Manchester City in the FA Cup and he scored. So good for him. But um, yeah, I just I wondered if if you had any worst penalties ever that you wanted to to mention at this point because I can't remember seeing anything like that before. Mm. Uh, no, uh, and, I, no, and I, I I think sorry, so just just to just to add something to this uh, to this funny story because I, I I watched that that penalty I saw, I saw that penalty I think he, he was going to try a panenka actually so that that makes the story <laughs> yeah. a, a bit funnier because he wants to do such a great gesture. And ends up with a with a with a with an epic fail. I mean, so that's funny. Yeah, it, it, when when people try to be really clever and it fails, they look so stupid in pen, like in those situations. And and I saw that, and I was like, I cringed. I couldn't even laugh. I, I just yeah. cringed so bad. What what are uh, the worst penalties you've ever seen? Is that is that up there? I mean, the Simone Zaza Invitational oh, from yeah. the Euro... <laughs> LA as well, in the same team. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that Simone Zaza, what the hell was that about? Um, no, that, 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 that will go down as the most ludicrous penalty I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, at least, that, that was just, what, what is he doing? Like, you, you could tell he was going to miss it because he just, he just looked so weird. Uh, right, let's move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Alex Donno. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this qualities. For this week's Moratti, I'll keep it short and sweet, it goes to the inter-dressing room. I thought they showed tremendous unity both on and off the pitch on Sunday, despite a ton of adversity, guys. I mean, what they've been going through the last month with the Icardi situation, all the rumors that come out of that, Wanda on Tiki Taka... Then the day before the derby, you have the reports of the cliques and the fractures and the factions forming between the Slavs and the South Americans and the Italians. All of this noise that came out of the hours and the days leading to the derby and the embarrassing performance against Frankfurt, you really expected to see a disjointed Inter on the pitch against Milan. They were anything but that, right? They showed togetherness. They showed harmony. They showed unity. And that translated to a tremendous performance. So... Despite everything that was swirling around the club, to be able to put all of that aside and perform the way that they did on Sunday, I go for the interdressing room for this week's Moratti. Here, here. Nice. Nice one. Nice one. Right. Uh, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank uh, you, Alex. Thank you. And I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Will Beckman. Thank you. Milan is black and blue for another six months. And also our, dear, uh, our good friend, Mr. Critty Smith. Hey, thank you, Nima. And Fulvio, don't be a stranger. Please come back more often. Always love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I promise. Thank you nice very show. much, guys. Uh, and uh, sempre forza Inter. Exactly. Until next week, I'm uh, your host, Nima Tavali-Rizzari, wishing you uh, a nice international break. Uh, and sempre e solo forza Inter. Forza Inter!